not feeling it. We can do a cold open. Yeah, we could do a cold open. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about? I mean, that's the point of a cold open is that you jump right into the conversation. You're listening to Advancing Education, the Alberta Student Podcast, where we talk about student issues, news, we conduct interviews, we do all sorts of other kinds of things like that. My name is Emmanuel Barker, and I'll be your host. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Advancing Education, the Alberta Student Podcast. Uh, this week, we're talking to two members of the SAIT Students Association and also the co-hosts of the Asterisk, the State, State Student Association podcast. Now, they're not actually here quite yet. I am going to have to ask for them to teleport into the meeting. So if you gentlemen can hear me through the ether, it's time to go. Uh, ah! 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 Ryan, that hurt more than usual, right? It doesn't. I think so. I told you to realign the transpatial photon adjusters. You I could thought have you wanted me Friday to fix. Us. I thought you wanted us to go for the omega-3 fatty acids. No, wrong, wrong. My left hand is just purple now. Thanks for that. But this I'm isn't sorry, the Liam. interview you mentioned at all. Where are we? Welcome to the studio Advancing Education. We're here to have a quick chitty chatty about Sates and the asterisk, and you guys have already completely freaked me out. So what's up? Daniel, what's up with your day? I, I told you that was for emergencies only, but you know what? I'm free right now, so let's do it. <laughs> so what what even what in the Sam Hill? What is tell me about the asterisk? What do you guys do? I mean, I'm a listener, but I don't know if our listeners are also listeners. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a student advocacy um, podcast, kind of. Um, it's a way that we, we, we generally, we spend most of it just like shooting, shooting the crap or shooting the wind, um, uh, for, for a lot of it, but we like to insert a little bit of messaging in the middle there for our, our, our listeners to have a better grasp of what's going on federally, provincially, municipally, of, uh, you know, what we're advocating for the issues that our students are facing, et cetera. Well, good. That's pretty yeah. close to what we try and talk about here, too. We're always kind of bringing up a little bit of the, the student interest. We do interviews. We had a couple news episodes. We've done some, some other sorts of things like that, which is all really fun. Um, so why don't we focus on some of the stuff that's going on on your end before we get into some of the silliness? I like I love shenanigans, you know? I really do. But it, yeah, it's, let's just get out of the way. How about that? How does that sound? Yeah, it sounds good. Okay, Good beauty. So you're sort of nearing the end of your terms as student leaders. Why don't you gentlemen introduce yourself first, the roles that you have, and then we can talk about what uh, the transition process is going to look like for you. Sure. I'm Liam Hunter. I'm the vice president external at the State Student Association, and I'm joined by my colleague and co-host. Yeah, and my name is Ryan Morstad, and I am the president of the Student Association at uh, State so, 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 uh, uh, Liam, okay, let's do Liam first. Our, okay, the million dollar question, I want to get it right off the bat. You coming back? What's the deal? I am coming back. I can't talk about it too much because I have to keep my work separate from my candidacy. But, mm. you know, hopefully I'll be back to host again next year. We'll see. Okay, but you are running. I am running. Well, I'm running great. in our new governance structure, which is uh, very interesting, where we all everyone runs for the board. Yeah, well, that's cool. That was one of the other things I wanted to find out about. So, Rye, is the, are you done? You done? She gone? I'm done. I'm not allowed to run anymore. I did my, I did my two-year sentence, and I uh, am no longer allowed. So what's, what's next for bald-bearded best? 
oh, bald bearded best is going to be onto bigger and more beautiful things, I think. Uh, I'm not really sure what that looks like. Who knows? If anyone listening to this podcast is hiring, definitely hit me up there. <laughs> I'm allowed to plug myself in this, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a student podcast. Plugging. It's all student interest. Always be plugging. Yeah. ABP. 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 That's our motto for the asterisk. It is. We bring it up at every single event, anytime we can. Always be plugging. Yeah, listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. Find out what's going on. What's going on these days, you know? I think we've brought it up in front of elected officials at some point, too. Oh, for sure we have. Multiple occasions we've plugged the podcast to government. Oh, man. I have. I have. I was like, hey, guys, you know, the first episode we did was about, you know, Minister Nicolaides. You could get in on it if you want. There's some pretty interesting information in the back. And they're like, uh, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> in the last episode we spent like a good 20 minutes talking about love needles among other things so well that's find that interesting that's love weird darts. and i don't know what that is so love darts love, so darts. love darts okay and in a previous episode we did spend like half an hour discussing a poop log a yeah. holiday poop log so come on down to the asterisk we've got some good times then what a shining endorsement that is so before we before we get a little bit more into the asterisk why don't you tell me about these crazy governance changes liam What's going on up in Saita? Well, hopefully they're not too crazy. Um, we have, you know, we, we want to be, as always, industry leaders um, in our governance, in our advocacy, and in general. Um, and we saw um, a few years ago there was a push to kind of take a deep look at our governance structures and see the strengths and weaknesses and the vulnerabilities specifically that our structure um, opens us up to. Now, it's, it's pretty common in student governance, uh, there's a kind of a saying that there's like, oh, there's always one, um, meaning there's always one member of the executive council who like burns out or doesn't do anything, uh, etc. And that's not to say that it's for every single executive council. It's just like, like this year we have a great one. Um, but it's, it's a saying that is propagated through our industry, uh, not by coincidence, um, but largely due to the governance structures that we actually all operate through. So as it stands, in a lot of schools, you can win like 2 5% of the electorate due to low voter turnout and just walk in and all of a sudden you're the president because you have the biggest banner or you're the most handsome, depending on the culture at your given school. And all of a sudden you're the top executive official of, in some cases, quite significant nonprofit organizations. And you can just go rogue. You know, we saw this at, at, at Ryerson a couple of years back where the executive council all had to be removed because they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a Drake concert nobody went to. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to it, though, and they, they, went they got bottles. It. Yeah, they went to it and they got bottles. Yeah, and casinos and all car. sorts of stuff, yeah. And that's, you know, just that's just a threat that most student associations kind of have to live with or there's this perception that they have to live with it. Um, but we wanted to really address that through this governance change, in addition to adding engagement and accountability at our board. So the reason something like Ryerson can happen is, A, there's a very low barrier to entry into the highest executive offices of the organization. Um, so there's a possibility of having people come in and just go rogue. And, and, and B, there's a, lot, a big lack of accountability at a lot of student associations because uh, not just not by the fault of individual board directors, but by the fact that they don't have the operational capacity to actually hold these executives accountable. Mm-hmm. When you come in once a month for three hours um, and you're just getting maybe an honorarium, in many cases not at all, um, it's really hard for you to question the actions of people who are there 40 hours a week working full-time for the organization who speak much more confidently on issues than you, 
who uh, speak about their own por own portfolios as if it's kind of gospel. Um, and I was on the board myself, and I knew that I often deferred to the executive council just because I didn't know what was going on. So we needed to address that accountability structure there as well. So the first thing we've done is we got rid of the executive council, which right now rides this weird gray, gray area and this weird borderline between strategic and governance, uh, which happens at the board, and the operations, which happens at the executive director and all everyone below him. Mm -hmm. And the executive council's relationship with operations and strategy is really gray and really vague. And that can work in what's called a working board model um, for smaller organizations that can't really afford staff. But at SATSA, we are like, what, like a $9 million operating budget, Ryan, something like that? He's nodding. Um, yeah. And we have a lot of staff with many departments. So it starts to be unnecessary to have the VPs kind of having their hands in, in all of those, uh, the fingers in all those pies. Um, and so we've shifted towards a governing board model where the board really only uh, occupies itself with the highest level strategic decisions. And the execution of that is completely delegated to staff um, with the exception of advocacy. So we know that like it's important to have student students and elected, uh, not just students, but elected students in advocacy positions for external advocacy to places like ASEC, um, but also federally and municipally, because we need to know that it, it lends an air of accountability or um, of, of uh, authenticity, I should say, and um, authority on the subjects that they're advocating for. So we've maintained that. The big cha other change that we've done is that we have taken the portfolios of the EC and we're not just ditching them, we're giving them the staff who might not be students, we're giving them to the board. And the board is now expected to work between 10 and 15 hours a week. They're being compensated for that time. Um, and from amongst the board, uh, they select the president and vice president. Mm. So instead of just running for the highest offices in the realm with like 2% of the electorate and getting it and then going rogue, you actually have to run for the board of directors and then you'll be vetted and assessed by your peers um, before being elevated to those positions. So that protects us from people who's coming in and going rogue. I love um, that. And the accountability piece is spoken to by having a working board, or not a working board, a governing board that has the, their own portfolios that are working on advocacy in a, a wide variety of capacities. Um, and once they're actually working on it and engaged in the, not the operations, but engaged with the organization as a whole, they will be able to speak with more confidence, authority to actually hold accountable each other in a way that we right now we just don't have. You hope. I mean, assuming the new yeah. governance structure works, right? I mean, that like I, I have a little bit of a, uh, a sassy tone sort of there, but what I what I actually want to get on is is like this is a really in my mind like an interesting double protection for the for the kind of you know there there's always issues in student leadership and and you need that check and balance and and we have a situation that's very different from other provinces where in Alberta the post secondary learning act offers some protections for financial impropriety uh you know on behalf of the student executives where you could just wipe the student counts the what it does is it gives the government the authority if they if they see that a student executive or a student council is operating, you know, in a, in a poor manner, in a financially or otherwise irresponsible manner, they can replace them with an administrator. So what you're suggesting is kind of like a second layer of governance protection and accountability for those student leaders. And I love it. It's, and you're not the only people to do it either. Like at ASEC, our structure is very much built the way that, that you're sort of describing where you have the board making the high level strategic decisions and becoming involved in advocacy personally, 
but then you handle all like the staff members, myself included, handle all of the actual tangible responsibilities on behalf of the students and we're paid to do it. So you end up getting experienced professionals who know what they're talking about. You're also not the only student association. Um, uh, so AUSU does it that way where they elect counselors and then from their council, they elect an executive team. It's not technically called the board and they have some more responsibilities than you're proposing, but it's a very similar election model. Uh, same thing with, um, we're doing a, a governance review with, um, with Lakelands College right now and they're, we're recommending the same sort of model. And they're in a unique situation too where they've got two campuses. So what they're... What we're suggesting for them is that they elect an equal number of counselors from each campus, and then that group of counselors all together, half and half, elect a, a, an unequal number of executives. So there's one from each of the associations, and then two that could be from anywhere, so that they um, have like a level of accountability, but also that the most prepared people are elected to those high-level positions, and not just Ryan, because he's so handsome, you know? Is kind of what we're exactly. talking about. So I'm excited to find Wait. out how your system runs. Ryan, what do you think about it on your way out? You know, I, I'm really excited for it. It's one of the things that I've been working for for the past couple of years, trying to make these changes. Um, one of the things that I, I want to highlight with it too, that I think is a real big part of the transfer, transformational nature of this change is we're giving board members hours. Um, so instead mm. of just coming in, you know, like Liam was saying, one meeting a month, and then you have the executives who do 40 hours and having that huge imbalance, we're going to not only have four executives who are involved in everything, all of the decision makers are very involved in everything. Yeah. So for something like ASEC, instead of having just Liam and I that are that are in the know about issues uh, revolving um, for post-secondary in Alberta, it's going to be all of our board being very knowledgeable. So we're effectively expanding the capacity of our organization to like breed student leaders and to have that much stronger of an advocacy voice. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I find so, that really so interesting. So super excited. I, you're right. I'm super excited for how this is going to happen and I'm really hoping um, it's going to work out and it's going to be a really big year next year Yeah. Um, to try and figure out, you know, the, the bumps along the way. And you know what freaks me out is that there are some schools in, in Ontario and other places across the country that have no layers of accountability like what you're explaining. Like they don't have a PSLA or an equivalent that means that the, or that enables the government to replace an executive that's acting out of financial impropriety. And they don't have like an internal election model where it, it's just elected from the populace. So you don't necessarily even know, need to know the person that you're electing. And there's a there's a broader question that because of comparatively low voter turnout in post-secondary, you know, leadership elections, like there's a question of legitimacy too. I mean, arguably, I think they are very legitimate in the sense that everyone is given equal opportunity to participate in the election, but because of low voter turnout, you're kind of like, is it? I mean, I'm, a, I'm on the yes side of the argument, but I can, I can empathize with someone who wants to make it on the no argument. So I'm really interested to see those governance changes. Um, in the in the meantime, what kind of are you guys going to be? Is is Sake going to be coming back to school in the fall? Do you know that yet? Are you allowed to say that yet? Kinda, yes, no, maybe. I right. know, I know that some schools have said uh, like they've already announced already. Like I believe MRU has, and maybe UFC. If I'm if I'm not wrong, we haven't heard yet. No, oh, okay. we haven't heard anything. So to be determined. Yeah, TBD. What what are the what are the big projects going on at SAIT if it's not like prep for back to school? Is there 
Is there like a real big institutional sort of initiative that you guys are part of? Yeah, we launched our new strategic plan as an institution. So the New World, New Thinking, uh, very aptly named, even though it was aptly named prior to the pandemic, (laughs) um, which is kind of funny. Uh, The School for Advanced Digital Technology launched this year, which is super cool. So that's going to be a new direction that SAIT's taking. And then uh, Liam and I and our executive team this year have been really involved in uh, two other projects, the Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion and the launching of SAIT's EDI plan, which is very, very cool. Uh, They also hired an associate director of EDI, so super excited about that. And then also the launch of SAIT's new ombudsman office. So in terms of institutional fairness, huge strides are being made. Good Lord, you guys are really the tip of the spear of EDI. And it's very contemporary examples to what's going on at ASEC right now, too, because we just initiated our EDI committee, our Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Committee, and we're coming out with some some recommendations from that committee. And I've been sitting on on that sitting with that group. And and honestly, like I, I couldn't be more proud of the direction that ASEC heading to. And man, an ombudsperson as well. Like I'm doing consulting with people from AU Arts talking about how that's such a big deal over there too. But Sate's just taking care of it all at the same time and a new strategic direction. Oh, Lord, you know, congratulations, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah big, big changes. We're super excited. I, I feel like I've said the word excited too many times, but that's how I'm feeling. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh, do you have any questions for me before I hand it over to the asterisk to start hosting this, uh, this particular episode? Um, ASEC, uh, ASEC's partnering up, uh, federally, isn't it? ASEC is for partnering up federally. We, uh, had our first meeting today of the Federal Student Advocacy Alliance with, the uh, Federal Minister Qualtro, um, which is a very good meeting. Um, basically all of our points are focused on federally, um, on issues that are of federal priority and, and jurisdiction. And most of our requests fed Fed, fed really well into the into the liberal priorities now so the meeting went just about as great as you can expect where we're like this is what we think she's like well that's what i'm working on <laughs> which is a good way to transition into a meeting we got a bunch more meetings next week for our federal advocacy meeting and i'm excited to well there i go using that word again sorry i guess i'll have to edit some of these out i'll just like edit the word exuberant over the rest of them and we'll try and make it a little bit even on either end <laughs> We'll just like we'll have a session after this where we all just in in vacuums of of sound, just like stoked. Amped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all need to pull up a thesaurus. Yeah, you know, sure. there's a there's something to be said for having a lot of words. You know, I don't I don't know if I have the best words. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That was a throwback to <laughs> Donald Trump. When was the last time you even heard about Donald Trump? Can you imagine that? Uh, I can't wait to forget him. You know, maybe someday, maybe someday I won't have like a physical reaction whenever I think of his name. <laughs> God. You're going to make me tear up here, Manuel. Right? Okay, and with no further ado, I've asked a couple of questions about what's going on at SAIT, going on at SAIT and the asterisk and, you know, those governance changes, which I think are really interesting. And I'm completely in support of the direction that you guys are heading, you know, contingent, obviously, on the way that it works. Hopefully everything works out great. Any system that keeps me from my Liam Hunter will be, you know, looked upon very poorly in the future. So we'll see how that goes. Although I am completely agnostic of all the elections of all of the student (laughs) leaders because I support all of you equally. Um, that said, <laughs> uh, who's, who's like, who's like main host or do you, do you completely share 
you know, responsibilities of hosting Asterisk? Like, what's what's the game? Uh, like, Liam is for sure the mouth. Liam is the mouth uh, of the Asterisk. Uh, of the Asterisk. So, yeah, we, we do definitely co-host and share, but, uh, yeah, Liam is the wizard. So, Liam, yeah, over to you. Hello and welcome to the Asterisk, the Saints of Podcast. It is inv- currently invading the trans-dimensional space, which advancing education resides in a, a, a pocket dimension known as Edmonton. Now, this uh, ethereal realm is quite hard to navigate, but, uh, you know, we've made it here. We've found our friends, the beacon of psychic energy that is Emmanuel Barker, guiding us to, to uh, greater podcast achievement and beyond. Now, Emmanuel, are you excited to be here? I'm so pumped to be here, and, you know... It's like this trend, trans, transmogrification between realms has become a little bit uh, n- more comfortable for me, I think, as we're moving on. I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your injuries as you transported to Edmonton, uh, but I'm glad that you made it. No, you, you know what's happening? You know what's happening is that's just a side effect of the transdimensional travel, I think, is what's happening. Yeah, we're used to beer day SMR at the asterisk, but that was, some, that was a heavy dosage. Um, so we have uh, a couple things that we do Nor- normally at the asterisk we this is the end of an episode so it'd feel wrong to do something other than headlines do you want to do headlines or do you want to do uh the 10 craziest failed assassination attempts on political figures throughout history let's do both uh yeah coming into the end of my term here i'm definitely worried about assassination attempts so i would be in favor of that one what do i have to look out for well it's too late Clearly, I'll let this note any would-be assassins. Uh, Ryan has done all the damage he could already. Uh, it's too late. Damage has been done. Uh, he's already bankrupted the institution. Uh, I kid. I kid. I kid. Louis Fifteenth. did you know? He had an attempted assassination attempt. An attempted assassination attempt. No, you did all great. Att- all assassination attempts are attempted. I think we're clear now, on that. Yeah, what is he, the Sun King? Was that the Sun King, or am I thinking of Louis Fourteenth? Or the sixteenth. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not up on my Louis of of many, whichever variety. You know, the French just have this thing about calling their kings Louis. Like, why not one like Jean Claude? You know, I was watching The Crown, and I really, I was shocked to find out that the that the monarchs get to pick their own name. Yeah, they do. Isn't that fun? And like Elizabeth was just like, Nah, man, I am Elizabeth. That's my name. <laughs> that do they cash. usually change? Like was Louis not Louis before he was the king, and then he was no. like, you know what? I'll be I'll be Louis too, Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah, they, they have royal monikers, so like you could just be like Joe. Like he could have been like Joe. Oh, I think is, I think like, George is I think George is probably the most common one of like. Oh, man, I talked over your Joe Mama joke. <laughs> oh. His name was Joe Mama until he became king of France. And then he changes his name to Louis. Mm-hmm. If, hold on. Before we continue, if you guys became royals, what would your royal moniker be? Oh, man. It would have to be really, really long, you know? Okay, you know you know how, like, DJs pick, like, a really long name where they're, like, LLMC, you know, Tiger Cat something? That's, like, for sure what mine would be. It would be, it would be exceptionally long. Like, His Majesty of the Royal Realm of something within the nation of extraordinary and of and and the empress of india at the same time that's that's how i it would have to be absurdly long my title 
would you fit a DJ in there somewhere? Yeah, but I'd spell it out. You know, like D-E-E-J-A-Y. <laughs> For clarity, it's a, you know, I'm the ruler of an entire, of an entire, like, realm. I can't, I can't just use acronyms. Yeah, you gotta be, like, you're gonna be interacting with a lot of foreign dignitaries. So, like, you gotta have, like, a, a phonetic name. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just using those initials. They may not know what DJ stands for. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I would be Gaspard, because I think it's a hilarious name. No offense to any of the Gaspards listening. Wow. Brian, what's your royal moniker? We're going to get hate mail. I think over. I'd have to go with Guy. You got to go with Guy, especially if you're French. We're all going with you French. Know? Well, except well, for like, Emmanuel. Emmanuel's going with If we're talking Long. about Louise, yeah, like DJ Guy, like it rhymes in French, which is super cool. <laughs> and then also if you have English people trying to pronounce that, it's a hilarious name, right? People just walking around calling you Guy. Mm, it's a DJ classic. Guy. You know, you could go by, you could go by like, um, you know, King of Canada, Guy Lafleur the second, and just like, it'd be like a throwback to hockey royalty. And you know what? I don't think the people of Canada would have that much of a problem with it. Yeah, DJ Slapshot, DJ Guy Slapshot, the fourth. Lafleur the fourth. Yeah. No, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I feel like I need to choose a French name now as well. Oh, what did Get you do, Gaspard? In, in the meantime, in the meantime. Whatever your royal moniker is, you have you have no reason to fear a small pen knife, because Robert Francois Damien, on January of 1757, was very upset with the king. He literally waltzed right past his guards. Okay, not literally waltzed. That would be silly. But it was Versailles, so maybe he was literally waltzing all the time. Maybe there's an expectation the of waltzing. King, I'm pretty sure he made everyone do ballet. But he went right past the guards by some means, probably not dance, but I'd like to imagine it is. And he stabbed him in the side with a pen knife. Like, if you're going to kill a king, don't stab him with a pen knife, especially not in the winter of France in the 1700s, because that dude's got layers. Mm. He got, like, a tiny little scratch on his side. And he, and uh, Louis XV didn't take it very well. Not just because of the disrespect of being a, uh, attempted assassinated, but also uh, he turns out he was a giant wussy. Because after he was, big air quotes on this, stabbed, he believed he was going to die. And he immediately listed off all of the mistresses he had cheated on his wife with. Oh, no. In a, <laughs> a long-winded apology. Um, and then he subsequently healed, like, immediately. <laughs> but his relationship with his wife never did. Oh no, that's like the, uh, that's like the worst example of emptying out your inbox of pen pals when you get into a new relationship I've ever heard. Cause it's public, guess, dude, you know, it's a public this, betrayal and therefore like a visceral betrayal. Well, this dude didn't delete his browser history. He shared it to all his followers cause he thought he was going to die. Louie, keep your mouth shut. Come on. Oh. All those mistresses are not getting treated well in the future. No, it's like the 1700s equivalent of accidentally accidentally posting on Facebook a name that you were trying to search. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I've done that. That was so bad. Oh, that's really <laughs> uncomfortable. So I decided uh, on the name Abelard. Um, and ooh, I have, uh, I have I a little... Like Abelard. Yeah, Abelard's a good one. And I have a little... I have a little um, I had a thought that come in, came into my mind when you were saying about how homie like p- could have potentially waltzed past, you know, the guards. And it, 
it, it, it just made me really think that the chances of a would-be assassin dancing past guards in order to get close enough to and to to attempt a, an assassination but with the chances are low but they're but they're never zero you know i mean like it's it's a distinct possibility that at versailles someone would be wearing their fancy shoes and their their petticoats and their wig and stuff and just just tippy toes their way in just like waltzing in like if i was a guard it was probably the ninth guy waltzing past me i saw that day <laughs> i was always like man i stopped the other eight it was always lame this guy's probably fine now that we've started this segment i'm thinking of all of the crazy so or crazy um assassination attempts that i'm aware of that have happened in history so i want to I'm, I'm making notes as you're doing so if we don't get to them i'm just gonna like add more it, no i want yours next Hit me with one that you just thought of, but I will say before uh, we leave Louis the Fifteenth, that's the only time I've seen an assassin successfully attempt an assassination on uh, someone's marriage. Mm, that's a good. That's a good line. Yeah, killed the marriage, not the man. It was almost a fate worse than death. Like the looks he was probably getting from the queen over dinner for the rest of his life. Because you can't yeah. just... This assassin was a, marking him down as a successful assassination. <laughs> and, and just not the intended target, you know? And you, you, can't, you <laughs> can't really, like... Oh, that's so... That's so hard, you know? That's, that's really got to suck. Like, why did he assume he was going to... I mean, I guess it was the 1700s. So you get a little nick. You're worried you're going to get, like, lockjaw or tetanus or something, and then your life's just over. <laughs> that was the, the actual side, assassination. It was a yeah, time it was, before antibiotics. It was just a really dirty pen knife, like a disgusting pen knife. Yeah, he, and that he, was his plan all along. They had like all sorts of communicable diseases. You know, I'm sure he could have just sneezed and had like a higher chance of accidentally or higher chance of accidentally killing the king as opposed to like doing it on purpose. Okay, here's my it's, here's my attempted at assassination story. Um, Andrew Jackson. A uh, famous president to the United States. Hopefully, yours comes up here. Would be assassin pulls out a gun in a meeting and tries to smoke him and the gun misfires. So Buddy reaches into his other pocket, pulls out a backup gun and tries to smoke the president and that gun backfires. It doesn't backfire. It just like doesn't work at all. And so Andrew Jackson um, beats the snot out of him with his little walking stick and uh, people had to pull him off because they thought he was going to just beat this guy to death in front of a whole big group of people with his stick. And ever since then, uh, Jackson has been referred to as old Hickory, if I'm not wrong, based on the origin of the stick with which he used to beat his, his attempted assassin. It's not even the first guy Andrew Jackson beat with that stick. <laughs> like that's the funniest part to me is like this dude was like, like what imagine what was going through this dude's head. Like you're trying to kill a president who is known a, as a terrible human being. Andrew Jackson was terrible. Trail of Tears was Andrew Jackson. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just a horrible person. But I, I looked into this, actually, because it's on my list, too. The, the attacker was Richard Lawrence. He believed that the king of England... He was insane. Um, he believed the king of England was going owed him a bunch of money, and he wanted desperately to give poor Richard that money. But Andrew Jackson was stopping the king from giving him that money. <laughs> So he thought that he should kill Andrew Jackson and then the King of England will give, will shower him in wealth. Um, so he, he tries to kill a guy who's famously beats people with his cane. What goes through your head when you pull that second backup gun and it fails? I just can't imagine 
Like, I was gonna, like, when you said he's losing the second pocket and pulls out the backup gun, I was like, oh, yeah. That makes sense. Like, he's gonna kill him now. How do you fail two guns? I guess uh, it was eight. I know. I know. Like, he, he, and you know what? Andrew Jackson's walking stick is the reason he brought a second gun. Like, Andrew Jackson was well known as being, like, a terrible president, like, not a really good administrator. He wasn't a soft or empathic man. He just, like, was not very good at the kind of soft skills that it takes to run a gigantic government and really make a lot of friends and do a lot of diplomacy and that kind of thing. But the one thing he was really famous for was being this really brutal military leader who, like, whipped his dudes into shape with his stick. So if you're going to go and try and smoke him, you better bring two guns. What are the chances of both of them failing, though? Well, you need one gun for the stick and one gun for the guy. Right, yeah. Because that stick is that stick is imbued with such vitriolic hatred and southern anger mm. that, like, you kill Andrew Jackson, the stick will just rise up and he'll, his ghost will start beating you with it. You know, there's like a lot of attempted attempted assassinations on U.S. presidents using firearms, right? So, I, I, let me know if I'm like if I'm like interjecting too much here. This is actually super interesting to me. But apparently, the guy who tried to kill. Um, uh, Oh, Teddy Roosevelt, his eyesight was so bad that it he he like printed out all of his speeches in like gigantic font over a million pages of paper so that he could read them with his garbage eyes. And um, he got shot in the pocket that had the folded up speech that he had, like the really, really big, thick pile of paper that he wrote his speech on. And the bullet was just a teeny tiny, like little 22 caliber or whatever. And so it stuck into the speech and didn't actually hurt him he carried on his speech like he just he kept on talking i think that's one of the most fun ones that i know of my my source says that it it did go through the speech but he also had a steel case for his glasses Mm. in the same pocket which it also went through but then it lodged only like a millimeter into his chest which is like this is like a like teddy roosevelt go look him up listeners absolute crazy in some cases like he started the spanish-american war despite the anti-imperialist bent of the Congress at the time. Um, shout out to Puerto Rico, foreign in, in a domestic sense. Um, but uh, this dude, like, like the Rough Riders, and you're just going to like come at him with a 22? Bad idea, Chief. Not a good plan. No, not, not a good, good idea. Honestly, a lot of these things I think are like... There's so much there's so much opportunity that takes place in all these assassination attempts that you really should have just like thought a second time, you know? I mean, the guy who tried to shoot the other Roosevelt was standing on a wibbly-wobbly chair when he tried to do it, so he missed. And if he had actually hit, like, the New Deal never would have happened, you know? Unreal. If he, if he just needed to stick, like, a pack of cigarettes underneath that one chair leg, <laughs> he'd be fine. What's I a mean, guy got to do to get some coasters? These are some pro-assassination <laughs> coasters to go under the corner of my bar stool. Just like I, I could just I just picture this guy just like drunk in the crowd and he just picks a stool and he's like, you know what, I'm gonna stand up on this stool and shoot the president. But also how did nobody else in the room be like, Oh, this guy's standing up on a stool right now? That's weird. Uh, well the president was giving a speech at Coyote Ugly. Uh, <laughs> it, w- it was a time before electronic voice magnification, so everyone had to get as close as they could in order to listen to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Roosevelt's probably standing on a on a stool too. It's not so wobbly. Maybe everyone I don't think was. FDR could stand. 
Oh, Did we get, oh good call. Polio during his presidency. Was this during his presidency then? Uh, I don't know. It must have been. Maybe I don't know when. It, if he was running, I I'm unclear well, on the his, details. This is coming off the top of my head. Kid, he lost his legs while during his presidency. I don't think he lost his legs. He didn't fall off Emmanuel, but he couldn't use them anymore. Is what mm, I mean. Mm, mm. Like that's why he had like the little he had the little panel added to the front of the resolute desk. Right. Important important distinction. I think you're right. Okay, uh, so hit me up with some of your other assassination attempts. Um, well, you knocked like two or three off of my list. Um, Liam, I wonder if I wonder if I know we hadn't talked about this one, but I wonder if you can talk about uh, the most successful by chance assassination attempt that I know of, which is the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Do you know the circumstances of that one? Because oh if you God. do, that's do a great I. story. Do I? Okay, the scene, Belgrade. 1914 okay how does the how I, four years from then millions of men will de be dead the british will have gone to war with germany because a serb killed an austrian um there's a, so, a group called the black hand they're serbian separatists they don't appreciate the fact that Aust austro-hungarian empire is occupying bosnia and serbia and that entire region so in bosnia um they, uh, might have been Sarajevo, I think. Yeah, it's not Belgrade, maybe. Belgrade or Sarajevo. I think it might have been Sarajevo. In any case, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, who is the successor to the throne of the Austro-Hungarian Empire and a sympathizer with the Serbian nationalist movement, who, frankly, was their best bet at actually getting separate, a separate state, he's coming to, he's coming to town. The Black Hand discovers this and dispatches a few young men, early 20s, some of them are late teens, to, man, it's got to be Sarajevo, I'm so certain about this, to Sarajevo in Bosnia, and they wait along his parade route. His parade route is published in the newspaper, hot take security, chief, don't do that. <laughs> and because he is so uh, proud of his visit, and he wants to be so open with the crowd, he's riding around in, as is tradition for assassinated political leaders, an open-top car. Um, he drives past these guys. They're waiting in the crowd. Their hearts are beating fast. The plan is simple. They're going to bomb the, the car, the, like the car brigade. What do you call that? A motorcade. The first bomb gets thrown. It bounces off, bounces off the back hood, like the trunk of the car in front of Franz Ferdinand's. But it's its timer is just not right. And so it, he drives over it. It blows up a car like two cars back. Everyone goes into a tizzy. The crowd starts running around. Our hero, Gavrilo Princip, um, not hero, terrible guy. Gavrilo Princip sees this and decides it's time to ditch. The other guys who were at the, pres at, at the rally or the, at the motorcade, another one throws another bomb. I think it bounces off the hood again. It, it just blows up somewhere in the street. I think it injures some civilians. So the, the plan is off. Gavrilo Princip ditches out of there. Archduke Franz Ferdinand drives off into the distance, and he goes to the, I believe, the, the house of the governor or something like that, the, the, the mayor of Sarajevo or something, some local dignitary. And he meets with him, and he's told that the survivors of the accident are at a local hospital. And being the kind-hearted gentleman that um, Franz Ferdinand is, he wants to go visit them with his wife. Um, so he goes 
he gets back in the car. He asks the driver to get him to the hospital. But this driver is not from Sarajevo. It is his driver from Austria-Hungary. And he doesn't know the roads very well. He's, he could easily follow the published route. It was all planned out, but he doesn't know how to get to the hospital. So he's just going to wing it. He takes a wrong turn down an alleyway. And the car, uh, the car reaches a dead end. He realizes it's the wrong way, and he goes into reverse. Cars back then were very unreliable. So when he shifts it into reverse, it stalls out. He desperately starts to tur turn the car. Not desperately, lackadaisically probably. He starts to roll over the engine, and it backfires. Who hears the backfire of that engine but a man drink currently drinking away his sorrows in a cafe directly across the street? A man called Gavrilo Princhev. Archduke Franz Ferdinand's chauffeur has just stalled the car in front of the one cafe in Sarajevo with an assassin in it. Gavrilo Princip sees the car. He recognizes the bright livery. It's all black and white photos, but like if you look at the actual uh, uniform, you can see it in a museum. It's bright green and blue with beautiful peacock feathers. He sees it, he walks out, and he fires two shots, killing him and his wife dead and if a shot was heard around the world four years later millions are dead Europe has changed forever the entire world is completely completely different as Otto von Bismarck's network of alliances absolutely falls apart and blows up the world as we know it just from pure luck like from just like he, was, he had a bad driver and the guy was like drinking a beer in a cafe and he's like oh my god look he's right there wow perfect and all of these assassins were like all of the ways that they like met their ends were like pretty nuts. Like another guy was like being chased. <clears throat> I think it's the guy who uh, threw the bomb. He got chased by the police. He jumped into the river. The river was like an inch deep, so he broke his leg. <clears throat> Pardon me. He broke his leg. The police just walked down to him casually. He tries to bite on a cyanide pill. And it just fizzles out. It doesn't work at all. It's expired. So he gets captured. The entire plot, the, the black hand is exposed. Worst assassins ever. And yet still successful. Thanks, Google Maps. Thanks, Google Maps. These guys should have had MapQuest. You got to print it out ahead of time. Because you know you're not going to have internet access when you're on the road. Or a printer, for that matter. <laughs> that driver didn't do his due diligence. Mm. He did not... Um, I I think we're coming up on like a pretty long time here. I have other um, hilarious assassinations attempts, like the CIA trying to assassinate Fidel Castro 638 times, once with a poisoned, sorry, an explosive cigar, which is hysterical. Um, but I don't think we have the time for it. Uh, I don't think we have time for headlines either. Come on, we got time for headlines. Ah, you're right. Okay, we can do we can do headlines. I always pretend like I don't have headlines, but of course I had these ready. Um, okay, for those who aren't aware, at the asterisk, we always end our episodes with a segment called headlines, where we just read out we just read out headlines. We don't have a lot of discussion on them. Just want to, we just want you to know that a, a person with a journalist degree had to write this. <laughs> Half-eaten sausage solves nine-year-old German burglary. What? How? Give me the Bill abstract. They have solved a nine-year-old burglary after DNA found on a piece of half-eaten sausage. 
matched that of a man detained in France over on a, over an unrelated crime. This dude was burglar. Hold on, so comedically German. <laughs> he's burglaring. He's burglarizing. Burglar. He's burgling. He's burgling a house, and he just sees like a dope bratwurst just like sitting on the counter. He's like, I can't. Help, I can't help myself. Well, it couldn't have been that good because he didn't finish it, right? Yeah, a mediocre bratwurst, maybe. He wasn't even German. He's a 30-year-old Albanian citizen. I mean, and he left his DNA at the original burgling and then and then again at some other crime? Don't Like, does That's this guy not watch it. CSI? He's the sausage bandit. This is his M.O. He just leaves sausages wherever he burgles. My God. It's kind of a cool calling card. It's definitely unique and original. Yeah, it's also a big pain in the ass to the people who come home to it. It's like, oh my God, we've been burgled. And that son of a bitch ate my sausage. <laughs> <laughs> you took my life savings and my dessert or my lunch. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, I, Ryan, I want to uh, hit one. Florida woman. Florida woman pretending to be plastic surgeon arrested after bad nose surgery. Oh my god. Why is she the nose surgery where you would go if you didn't know how to do plastic surgery? Like I would have I would have left that one. <laughs> I just imagine her being like really short on cash, like on Craigslist, being like, Yeah, I'll give uh cheap nose jobs. Uh, how hard could rhinoplasty be? Oh man. Uh, apparently a, pretty hard. She's gotta be a wiki how on this. <laughs> I was wing it. There's an animated YouTube video it on says, your DIY uh, rhinoplasty. Yeah, one of those uh, one of those medical ones. It says the um, the surgery went about as well as you'd expect, and uh, I assume the person who got the nose job was pretty disappointed with the result. Maybe wish they went to a real doctor. God, oh my God, but it's not happening. Catch me if you can. Doesn't he, like work as a doctor for a little bit, and then like call him into surgery, and he's like, yeah. I think he got the job as like an administrative so. doctor. Was like a what doctor? He was like an administrative doctor. I don't think he was actually doing surgeries. I think he was like an okay. attending or something like that. Maybe this chick is uh, doing a catch me if you can. We need to send Tom Hanks after her. Okay, mm. I got one. COVID-19 inspires 1,200 new German words. Like, Gesicht condom or face condom. Gross. Yeah, annoyed at someone wearing a mask with their nose exposed. Calls, call them a mask in throttle or mask idiot. That is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, we have we have those we have those words too. Like we just really don't you know, it's the same word just in English, mask idiot. <coughs> I think We need a word specifically. We need a specific word for when somebody wears a mask with their nose sticking out though. Mm. I think it's cheating to say like German has like you always hear like, oh, it's a word in German. But German's like a, ling a language that works off of this weird way. Inuit works the same way. They create compound words out of like sub out of smaller words. Like mask and throttle is yes one word because there's no space in between mask and throttle, but it literally is the word for mask and idiot put together into one word. So it's it's kind of cheating, you know. Like people say, like Inuktitut has um, like nine thousand words for snow. But it's really just like whatever adjective you want and the word snow. And that's mm. technically a new word. Yeah, that I don't want to, you know, I don't I don't think dishonest is the right way of saying it. But I feel like there should be a higher standard for inventing a new word. 
Yeah, it's not dishonest. It's just a different language in the way it works. But there's abstance beer, which is just a distance beer. Don't have an abstance beer. Hmm, that makes sense. That's like that's like after work Zoom beers. Yeah, uh, Upston beer, Zoom and beer in. <laughs> Zoom right, and beer. Man pulls victim's severed ears out of pants during questioning by police. Oh, that makes me uncomfortable. Oh, oh my god. I, I swear I didn't do it. It wasn't me, it was someone else. <laughs> Empty your pockets. Yeah, maybe he's just doing it for a gag. He just like pulled it out. He's like, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you feel bad about that, Liam. <laughs> that would be a great gag. I do feel bad for that. That was a bad joke. Pigs can be trained to play video games with their snouts, study reveals, and will still beat you. I'm losing to pigs now. Those are some pretty good headlines. I love headlines. This is a great segment. I'm going to start doing this. Yeah, do it. Hey, don't steal our segment. No, 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 no. Not like, not like funny segments. I'm just going to start talking about actual headlines. Uh, do it. I'd be like, COVID numbers are coming under control. There was traffic on the Henday. So on and, and so just, forth. Like, insert like a gratuitous laugh track in between all of them. <laughs> yeah. I'll <laughs> <laughs> record one for you right now. <laughs> you can insert that wherever you want, Emmanuel. <laughs> I love it. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this year episode of Advancing Education. It's been a weird one. There's a lot of non-student content. But you know what? I think that sometimes that's what students want and need. So... It's been, it's been, as I said, strange, but I'm into it. So thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thanks for having Thanks. us, Sam. Yeah, Just, let's, uh, uh, let's garp out of here. Let's garp. Like, don't let the teleportation radiation hit you on our way out. Mm, I'm protected Ryan, over here in button. Edmonton. I have the button. All right, go ahead and press the button. Three, two, one. And with that, I'm left alone again in my studio in Edmonton, away from my gentleman friends from Saitza. It is a sadder day because of it. Until next episode, we will talk to you soon. And as always, this is a reminder that this episode is for you. So if you have a concern or any questions, you can write into advocacy at albertastudents.ca and we will try and include your concerns in the next episode of Advancing Education. 